0: You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season is different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Today we have our weekly mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. We begin with a question from Jimmy, who asks, After another pathetic display on Sunday, I'd like you to spend a moment comparing the 2019 Jets to the 2020 Jets. In 2019, we were 7-9. and This year, we are 0-11. I know you say we had a soft schedule in 2019 and won the final game against the Bills without them really trying, but we also had wins over the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Steelers. Those four teams won 33 games last year. Our schedule this year actually had some winnable games. Denver with the third string quarterback, 49ers playing Nick Mullins, Patriots in the down year for them as examples. We remember the problems with the 2019 team, no pass rush, terrible offensive line, lousy defensive backfield. These were all addressed in the offseason without it helping much. Yes, we lost Robbie Anderson and Jamal Adams, but the Jets added some good players like Becton and Mims, Quinn and Williams, and the underrated Terrell Basham have had better seasons, and we've dumped some really bad players like Brian Winters, Jonathan Harrison, and Trumaine Johnson. It is the same staff, so it's hard to say the coaches are worse, but you could say the coaching has been worse. We're going from seven wins to maybe one win. That's quite a drop. My question to you, comparatively, why are we so much worse? You know, there's a really, really, really overused cliche in the NFL. I think it was Bill Parcells who said it, you are what your record says you are. Now, over the long term, over like five to 10 years, that's true. If your record's good over five, like a five to 10 year stretch, that means you're good. If your record is bad over a five to 10 year sh- stretch, that means you're bad. There's really no way around that. However, in the short run, over the course of like half a season, I think I would say even up to like one full season, record is not always indicative of how good or how bad you are, because there are lots of things that can happen that can make a team perform quite a bit worse or quite a bit better than its record. You know, you could uh, you could have a good team that suffers a, an injury in a key spot that makes a good team have a bad record. You could have a really easy schedule that makes a bad team look better than it really is. And you look at what happened last year with the Jets, this team started 1-7, they lost to the 0-7 Dolphins, and they looked every bit as bad the first half of last year as they have in 2020, and I think it's easy to lose track of that. This team, for half of last year, looked every bit as bad as it does this year. The Jets were absolutely one of the worst teams in the NFL last year, and you could say they went 7-9, and well, I think ultimately they were very lucky to win seven games, you cannot ignore the schedule. They had a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, which they lost. Bengals had the number one overall pick. They had a game against Washington, which they won. Washington had the number two overall pick. They had a game against the Giants that they won. The Giants had the number four overall pick. They had two games against Miami, who had the fifth overall pick. They split them. And they had that game against Buffalo, where the Bills were Already in the playoffs, it was the last game of the regular season, so the Bills played their backups. Jets barely got by in those games. So they played five games against teams that had top five picks last year. They barely had a winning record. They were three and two. In fact, if not for a penalty call on a pass interference in the last drive in their home game against Miami, which could have easily gone the other way, they would have had a losing record in five games against teams that picked in the top five last year. So this was a horrible football team. And again, they barely got by Buffalo's backups. Essentially, Buffalo's JV team nearly beat them last year. So I think it's a mistake to look at this, to look at this from the standpoint this was a seven win team. This is not this was not a case where you were what your record says you were. This team was worse. You also have to look at the fact the Jets went five and two in one score games last year. What's the significance of that? In the NFL, things tend to even out in close games, because a one-score game means that partially it comes down to how well you play, but partially it comes down to luck. I mean, think to some of the close games the Jets had this year. If a receiver slips on a key play against Denver or New England, the Jets win those games, and it would have had nothing to do with the Jets' performance. Jets got a lot of luck in those games last year, including, you know, I mentioned one of them, a kind of shaky pass interference call that won them that second game against Miami. Yeah, you know, last year you also ran into a situation where I think Dallas did not take the Jets seriously. The Jets kind of caught Dallas off guard. Cuz if you re- remember that game against the Cowboys, Jets jumped out to a big lead, and then once the Cowboys started playing in the fourth quarter, they closed the gap. I mean, they were a two-point conversion away from forcing overtime. If not for a blitz by Jamal Adams and, you know, you, again, you can't you can't dismiss the fact that Jamal Adams is no longer here. Adams Helped win them, I'd say at least three games. Last, I think if Jamal Adams is not on the team, they don't beat Dallas, they don't beat the Giants, and they don't beat Pittsburgh because Adams had a big role in all three of those wins. And beyond that, I think the tr- the turning point last year was the game against the Giants, which Adams kind of took over. I mean, I don't think, as I said, I don't think they win that game against the Giants without Adams. And you have to remember, at that point, the team was one and seven, and. I think if the Jets, I think that game got the Jets on a little bit of, roll, a little of a roll, and that's another thing that can happen is you can get a little momentum, you can start playing with confidence. Sometimes one win gets you rolling. If the Jets don't beat the Giants last year, if Jamal Adams does not play that big game, I mean, I think this easily could have just snowballed and turned into a two and 14, 3 and thirteen kind of season. You know, I think that game was kind of a tipping point for the Jets last year, and it got them playing with a little bit of confidence, and as they went on that stretch in the second half where they were not playing many good teams. They started to play maybe a little bit above their heads, and they, you know, caught the Raiders off guard. So, you know, I think there are lots of things that kind of converged last year, but that was a team that pretty much had everything, needed everything to break right in the second half to win seven games. And ultimately, again, I have to emphasize this, even though they won seven games, there were signs that this was a really, really bad team. I mean, they lost to an 0-7 Miami team and an 0-11 Cincinnati team. First team in NFL history to lose to a pair of winless opponents that late into the season. And I think this year, you know, they've been a little bit unlucky. I mean, they easily could have won the game against Denver. They easily could have won the game against New England. You know, even the Chargers game, they they had a few moments, although that was a game that was never, you know, it never, never was really within their grasp. But, they, you know, they kind of hung tough. So the Jets have, I mean, I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is that, You're not always what your record says you are over the course of half a season or a full season. Last year's Jets were pretty unlucky, or last year's Jets were pretty lucky to win seven games. This year's Jets have been pretty unlucky to win zero games. In both years, this has been a really, really bad football team. And I don't think, you know, I I don't think the record indicates the gap between last year's team and this year's team. The record may be different, but I don't think the quality of play is very different. I don't think the quality of the team is very different. I think ultimately, both years, this was one of the worst teams in the NFL, and people always look to that 6-2 and two finish. They always point to that. What you really should look to is the 1-7 and seven start where they lost to the Dolphins, because that was really the performance that shows you the caliber of this team. That's the, the It's the first eight games that show you what the Jets were last year, not the last eight games. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I have two TVs so I can watch two games at a time. Maybe you you have one TV. But either way, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Don't miss Crossover Thursday here on Locked On Jets, where we speak with the host of the Locked On podcast for that week's opponent. Listen on Thursday and every day to Locked On Jets. On today's show, we are doing our weekly mailbag. Our next question comes from Joe. And Joe asks... Do you have any thoughts on Adam Gase's confusing comments about who is actually calling plays? And this has become a big topic in the media over the last few days because we don't know whether Adam Gase or Dowell Loggins is is making the play calls, and there have been some suggestions that maybe they're splitting the, the duties depending on situation. And then after Sunday's game and into the early part of this week, Gase has been very evasive and there's been some reason to believe that he has been less than truthful about who was calling the plays. Now, I think some of some parts of the story are a little overrated. I've heard some people question why the Jets have set up some sort of mechanism where I think there, there was talk that Loggins was call, was giving the plays to Gase and then Gase was sending them into Sam Darnold. And some people were talking about how that was kind of complicated. I don't think that's a big deal. I've heard other NFL teams that have a similar mechanism where the play caller relays it to somebody else and then somebody else relays it to the quarterback. So I don't think that's unusual. There's also been, again, some suggestions that maybe Loggins was calling some of the early down plays and Gase was taking over on third downs and people were questioning that. Again, I don't think that's that big of a deal because now I've never been an NFL coach, but my understanding from what I've heard is that the way the game plan works is that you actually pick out from your playbook you pick out a set of plays you're running on first down you pick out a plays set of plays you want to run on second down you pick out a set of plays you want to run on third down so I don't think dividing it by down is that big of a deal but I just don't understand what Gase is doing I I don't understand Your, your team is 0 and 11 right now and this is what you're focused on you're focused on some ridiculous fight with the media because you won't tell them who's calling the plays and, you know, it seems like the media maybe caught him lying a little bit where he said he said Loggins was calling the plays, but some members of the media and the press box were watching Loggins during the game, and they could see he was clearly not, like, taking any action at the point where the plays would be called. And I don't, I don't understand why you'd lie about this. I don't understand why you would give a second of thought to this. And now there, there's some other talk that Gase is – not being forthright about this because he views it as a competitive advantage. If the other team knows who's calling the plays, they'll know which tendencies to study. And that is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The idea that you know if that it's an advantage for the Jets to know whether Gase or Loggins is calling the plays is just absurd. What advantage was gained on Sunday when you scored three points? What advantage has been gained throughout the year when you had the lowest-scoring offense in the NFL. What, what kind of an advantage? What Would they have scored two points on Sunday? Would they have scored one point on Sunday if if the defense knew who was calling the plays? And he, by the way, you know, if Frank Gore is being run into the line up the middle of the 14th time in three quarters, it's not like the defense is going to be confused because the because they're thinking about whether Gase or Loggins is calling the plays. And one other thing. If... You're t- if the other team knows what's coming because they know who's calling the plays, that's a sign you're a bad play caller. Because you, your job to be as a play caller is to be unpredictable. So if the defense knows, hey, Gase is calling these plays, we know what's coming. That means you stink. That doesn't mean we need to bring in a second guy to throw them off the trail. That means you need to start getting better as a play caller. So yeah, I mean this is this is typical Adam Gase though. I mean this is this this is everything you've seen with the Jets over these two years is exactly what happened with Miami. It's exactly what we should have expected. Just a stupid argument with the media that makes no sense. A bunch of uh, just a really weird issue that doesn't impact the team at all. I mean, it's vintage Adam Gaze. Next question. If you cannot get a conditional third round pick or better, would you trade Sam Darnold or would you hold on to him going into year four? Yeah, I think that that would probably be the line for me. I think probably a day two pick. I think a second rounder would be the point where I definitely trade him. The reason the second rounder would be the point where I definitely trade him is that I think we've kind of seen that's about the most the Jets could get even in a scenario where the Jets held Darnold for a year. He played great. They franchise tagged him and then decided to trade him. So, you know, like hypothetically if the Jets brought Darnold back and he surprised everybody. You know, he won the job in training camp. He played great. But at the end of the year, you've got you want to move on to Trevor Lawrence. So you tag Darnold and trade him, you'd probably get a second round pick anyway. So if you can get a second round pick for him, I think that's the point you trade him. If you you can get a third round pick for him, I mean, I think there's a plot. I think there's a reasonable argument to be made to make that deal. But below that, I mean, you're not really getting anything for him. You're kind of selling low. Honestly, I know if you bring him back next year and he plays just as badly, you lose him for nothing in the offseason when he leaves in free agency. I think that's a risk I'd take, just because like getting a day three pick for him is such a such a small return that I'd risk losing that in order to try and get his value up. You know, I, I'd like to see, to be honest with you, I'd like to see Darnold get one sh- one more chance without Gase to see what he can do. And my hopes are not that high based on what I've seen this year. Now that does not mean that you you pass on Trevor Lawrence. You, you draft Trevor Lawrence, but my general view is that. You're going to have to have somebody come in and compete with Lawrence. You're going to have to have somebody be the backup quarterback. So Darnold seems like a logical choice for me because I want to give him a chance without Gase. Now, again, if you get like a second round pick, that's a point where the the deal is just too good to pass up. And I think you can make an argument that maybe a third round pick would be in that range. I think if it's anything less than that, I mean, you're really not getting anything for him. A fourth round pick, a fifth round pick that's pretty much getting nothing for him. So at that point, I'd be willing to, I'd be willing to bring him back, even if it cost me a pick, just to give him one more shot. That's kind of the way I view the situation. Locked on Jets podcast here on this mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, shouldn't the Jets go after Dabo Sweeney to replace Gase? Sweeney, of course, is Clemson's head coach. And he, of course, is Trevor Lawrence's head coach. Here's the issue. I mean, I think there are lots of NFL teams that would want to go get Dabo Sweeney because he has built a juggernaut at Clemson. I actually am not certain he'd work in the NFL. I mean, I think if you know, if he was interested in the Jets, you you if he came hypothetically came to the Jets and said, "I want to coach you," I want to coach your team, then I guess you'd kind of have to take him, and you'd kind of have to roll the dice that he could work in the NFL. I'm not sure whether his. I, I, I wonder whether his style would be better suited for college. But I think ultimately it's not a question that really matters because let's just say you're Dabo Sweeney. Let's say the Jets are interested in you. Right now you have a $93 million contract with Clemson. So your choice is essentially I can either stay at Clemson, make $93 million and be viewed as an immortal because he's he's essentially built a resume that will leave him remembered as one of the greatest college football coaches in history. Or I can go work for Woody and Chris Johnson. I don't know that that's much of a choice. So uh, yeah, look, legendary coach, but I think it's going to be awfully tough to convince him to come to the Jets and undertake this major, major rebuilding job because he's got a great thing going in Clemson. Next question: Do you see Adam Gase ever getting a head coaching job anywhere ever again? Unless Peyton Manning actually becomes a GM, do you actually, do you ever see this happening? Never underestimate the ability of football teams to do something stupid. I, I can, could not rule it out because football teams just have a way of of really doing idiotic things. My answer then it would be yes, I could see it happening. It, the process for hiring a head coach in the NFL is not built to win games. The NFL is a league where nepotism is a par- a feature of hiring. So yeah, I could see it happening. Now, it would be a difficult sell for any fan base. As unpopular as the gays hire was among Jets fans when Chris Johnson announced it in 2019. It would be even more unpopular going forward. I mean, I mean, after this Jets experience, Gase is now on that level with like a Rich Kotite or a Jeff Fisher. Like what? What? His name is just synonymous with with being a, a coach you do not want your team to have. So there would be an enormous outcry of any from any team who's who. From the fans of any team who hired Gase, but listen, never underestimate the nepotism in the NFL. Never underestimate the t- the ability of a team in the NFL to do- to do something stupid. I mean, this is a league where I mean, there are. I, I still can't believe some of the coaches who I've seen get second or third chances in this league. I mean, there are coaches who have been just as bad as Gase. Who, um, yeah, no, I tell you, there have been coaches who have been just as bad as Gase. I, I was undecided there whether whether I should whether those coaches were actually as bad as Gase. Yeah, they they were. I mean. How does Norv Turner get three chances in this league? Now, he was a good offensive coordinator, but he was a terrible head coach, and he got three chances. So I would I would never rule it out, as ridiculous as it sounds. Should Gase ever be a head coach in this league again? Absolutely not. But could it happen? Sure. Next question. Is the, is the defense overrated under Greg Williams? I get the idea of trying to focus the resources to offense so we could at least have one above average unit. However, this defense appears to be even worse than the numbers indicate. Our opposing offenses taking the foot off the gas are giving us more vanilla looks. It seems like our defense can't get a stop until it's garbage time. 32nd in passer rating against, 30th in yards against. If this group was in the college ranks, they'd probably rank in the bottom half. Well, the question is whether the defense is overrated, and I think the only problem with that is that to be overrated, somebody has to think you're good and I don't think anybody thinks the Jets' defense is good, it's been a bad year for the defense. When the Jets hired Greg Williams, you could see it going one of two ways. You could see Williams really breathing life into the unit and getting it to overachieve, or you could see the unit totally falling apart, and somehow, even though the sum of the parts was, was not very great, somehow the whole being less than the sum of the parts. And we've actually seen both those scenarios play out. Last year was the scenario where Greg Williams came in and, and got a unit to really overperform. And this year, the defense has been terrible. And you see a totally, totally undisciplined unit constantly taking personal foul penalties, not playing fundamental football. So you've seen both. Um, I guess if the, the general point of the question is, should Greg Williams be criticized? Absolutely. Greg Williams has not done a good job this year. The, the defense has not done a good job this year. Now, they did a pretty good job on Sunday against Miami, but on the whole this defense has been really bad. And they've had to deal with a lack of talent, sure. But you cannot be happy with what you've gotten from Greg Williams and that unit this year because even you know like the the lack the, t- the total lack of discipline has nothing to do with talent. That's on and that that's a reflection I think of the coaching. It, it the team has And I mean, here's the other thing with Greg Williams. I'm never going to forgive Greg Williams because Greg Williams is the reason we have Adam Gase because the Jets made Greg Williams, hiring Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator, a condition for any head coaching hire. And it limited the pool of candidates who were interested in this job. And that's one of the reasons the Jets ended up stuck with Adam Gase as Gase was one of the few coaches who was willing to take those conditions because Gase wanted to be a head coach and he could not get a job anywhere else. And our last question, my wife and I disagree on Christmas lights. I like multicolored. She prefers the warm white look, which is better. I got to say, I'm with you on that one. I prefer the multicolored lights. I think that they are more festive. Now, if you are asking me, would I, if I were you, would I play the host of a football podcast I listen to agrees with me card? Probably not. But if you're asking my opinion, I prefer the multicolored lights. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a good Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk Jets Raiders.